When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. Chris, how are you doing today? Jesse, I could not be doing any better, but those cowards at AMG finally gave me what I've been demanding. We finally got to see Pyro. That's right. So we got both of our brotherhood three threat cohorts out now to look at and examine. And I'm sure you and I will be talking about them on the news very soon. Oh yeah. Two characters that don't interest me as much. So I love that Chris's enthusiasm is kind of infecting me. And also on top of that, AMG's wonderful game design made two incredible characters that are very interesting role players on their teams that even if you don't like the characters, like how could you not like these kits? So good. Yeah. Both kits are very good. They, they look like very effective three threat models already. Pyro has an immediate spot in my X-Force list and my Brotherhood list. We'll see. He probably even makes the X-Men blue list. Sure. You know, just kind of wild uh, how how good he's built for attrition. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. And as far as Blob, you know, he's kind of I know you're not a big Blob fan, Jesse. I know. I know you like his kit, though, right? I I, know. I think it's really good. I, I I. He's what we thought, Chris. He is slow lizard. Yeah, they some more interesting control options that lizard doesn't have. So I don't know. They're very similar to each other in a lot of ways. Very, very different. Very. And um, I I find that very interesting for the game. I'm already having nightmares of seeing CS players playing Blob. Mm, I know it's just going to happen, you know, because of course. Oh, but you know that's that's every Mystique's character at this point. Good for her, yeah. you know, good for Mystique's Brotherhood. It's excellent for Mystique's Brotherhood, and I'm very excited to try him in that. And specifically her team. I know, specifically right? her leadership, right. Because we know Mystique is possibly a problem model in this game and other teams, but in her team with her leadership that you're actively pursuing, I'm very excited for people to go that route more. Let's just, I guess, speak to the obvious, Chris. Do Even it. if Blob and Pyro were not that good, Mystique getting two more th- affiliated three threats makes her team so much better. And if they're good on top of that, her leadership just gets more gas, right? So yeah, you've got that Mystique. You've got all those threes now, which you needed for Mystique, right? 
absolutely. You know, that's something you and I have talked about at length off mic uh, as we were kind of trying to build out a competitive brotherhood list with the mystique leadership for myself. That's right. They just needed more threes to hit affiliation and we got them. There are two different mm-hmm. styles. They, f- I think they fit well together, but sure. They also ha- do completely different things. So, you know, different styles of lists. We can, we can take both of these affiliations different ways without relying on Luke cage, which is very nice or both these leaderships. I should say, Sorry, y'all. Yeah, it's it's just very exciting for the game to always to flesh out affiliations, especially the secondary leadership of an affiliation, which is mm-hmm. kind of a sub affiliation in itself, because we see Mag's leadership so much as we should, because it's very strong. But yeah, I'm excited to see more Mystique in the world and just give me that Logan and Sabretooth spoilers, you know, and I know they're coming, so yeah. I'll be patient. But Sentinels are out in the world, and we'll talk about that in our news segment as well. And Red School of Hydra's out in the world, too. So these things are all oh, new to the game. New things to test, new things to try. I'm still on my X-Men break, but I will be back on them very soon. And some of these new models will be making appearances in my X-Men for testing in the very least, and probably in my roster. Well, that's Time will tell with that. But, you know, Chris, it's, it's one of those things like we're at this point in the game and the year where it gets quieter. And that's fun for us here on the podcast because we can talk about the things we're doing coming up, like Warfare Weekend, like these MC movies coming up, and continuing this series that you and I have started again. We return to the Criminal Syndicate and we're rounding them out. And picking up where we last left off in the Criminal Syndicate, we were talking Shadowlands, we were talking The Hand, we were talking The Beast, we were talking Elektra. We're picking up and continuing more criminals that we have not done on this show. And that leads us today to The Hood who is a character that not only is really cool in lore and history, but very well represented in MCP in the casual and competitive side of the game. Oh my gosh, Jesse, he is so good next to Malekith. It's ridiculous. Ugh. Yeah, every Cabal member is really good next to Malekith, but he's really good <laughs> next to Malekith. Like, he gives him extra juice and the healing, which is crazy, right? And we'll talk about that today in our, in our strategy. And I'm feeling a little bit like the hood today, Chris, a little, a little <laughs> under the feel weather like, still. feel like you're being possessed. Yeah, I'm being possessed by some sort of other thing through this uh, cloak. Yeah, it's we made it. We made it to this episode. I'm happy we're going to make it through. And, um, you know, I just view this as these weeks and weeks of sickness have just been building me up my immunity, hopefully to uh, not get the con credit war for a weekend. Oh, man. Because that happens to everybody. I know. I'm... I'm- <laughs> And if I'm like deathly ill right now, which I am, Concred's nothing, right? In theory. True. I'm weighing uh, my options on how to fight the Concred that weekend. Yeah. We'll see. There's a lot of before and after you can do. And maybe we'll talk about that on After Dark and stuff. Oh, stuff that we can one. actually actively pursue. But I don't know. I'm trying to prep as best I can, but there's only so much you can do at the end of the day. Right. right? But Chris, before we get into Hood and our great discussion about this interesting character, we got to tend to a little business fury's finest is supported by discount games inc go to discountgamesinc.com for all your marvel crisis protocol needs our patrons support fury's finest at patreon.com slash fury's finest if you enjoy this show consider supporting us with monthly contribution and, and getting access to our discord community we take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support this week we want to send a very special shout out to our patron of the week ryan Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers, Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Thanks, y'all. 
All right, Chris, let's get over to hood lore. Well, Jesse, I'm pretty excited to talk about hood today. Uh, he is one of the newer characters in the, you know, Marvel repertoire, especially one okay. of the new, one of the newer villains of consequence, I would say. Right. You know, being introduced in the last 20 years. That's, that's, you know, that's good. Uh, other than Noel, I mean, he's everywhere right now, but, sure. but more over, I don't think he's just kind of an interesting villain. I think Parker Robbins is a new kind of tragic figure. Maybe, maybe a little bit of Spider-Man of villains, maybe a little daredevil of villains kind of action here where it's not that just things always go wrong or his personal life's always in shambles. It's he tries to clean his act up for his child, essentially, but he just never can. He always gets drugged back in somehow. Just can never get over the hump and, uh, you know, feel bad for him. Feel bad for him on that. So let's touch on his powers. Parker Robbins derives his name and his power from mostly a hood slash cloak and a pair of boots that he that he steals off of a recently defeated demon, sort of. Uh, the demon kind of let him win, but we'll get into that later. This hood and these boots can derive their power from a source, and that's really what they are. The hood in fact, is kind of a bonding cloak that is setting up whoever wears it to be the physical vessel for a very powerful entity into the Marvel 616, you know, physical plane. Uh, We'll get into that a little more in lore. It's more of a channeling agent. Sure, sure. Parker does go through a lot of power changes his his power set changes quite a bit being a newer villain he kind of bounces and having his powers derived from actual objects not just inert ability he definitely has a lot more to play with in terms of storytelling when it comes to how you know where his powers are at or how they're affecting his life or anything like that and it is used quite often Hood will first appear in Marvel Comics in 2002. The name of the book, Jesse, conveniently enough, is The Hood. It is issue number one. It's on the Marvel kind of max line from back in the day. So it is going to be a little uh, more mature than your average comic. Right. And he was created by writer Brian K. Vaughn. You know him and you love him. And artists Kyle Hotz and Eric Powell. So the Hood, unlike many Marvel villains, had a pretty good childhood, actually. He had a good relationship with his father and, by all accounts, a good father. Other than the fact that his father was involved in organized crime. Now, just because he was a good dad doesn't mean he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the situation we have here. Uh, Parker of course, is going to pick up on that. He's going to know at a certain point during his upbringing how his father uh, provides for the family. Early on in his life, he will witness a fight between an early career daredevil and Electro. Uh, This fight will profoundly affect Parker and kind of drive him to the, the criminal side of things. Electro would best daredevil. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in maybe two episodes by now. And this this fight, like I said, would greatly affect Parker's journey in becoming the Hood. Now, the way he would get his powers, 
is through his cousin. We've all got that cousin, right? His cousin, John, tells him about a big score. Some easy steal, nearby warehouse. We got this, okay? Parker's in. They go. They don't find any real valuables there, but instead, some arcane inscriptions, some summoning circles on the ground, and out of nowhere, they would be attacked by a demon in a cloak. Parker would take the demon out, like I talked about a little bit in the powers section. And of course, not wanting to leave empty-handed after expecting a big, you know, in cash infusion for this heist, Parker grabs the, the cloak and the boots, dons them, and the hood is born. His first actual you know, heist as the hood. He's going to try to steal some diamonds uh, being smuggled into the U.S. by organized crime. Really not a very smart decision, Jesse. Stealing from, you know, a gang is your first criminal. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe steal from a jewelry store or something. I don't know. These diamonds are being guarded by Constrictor Jack O'Lantern and everyone's favorite, the Shocker. The hood? defeats them. He takes the diamonds. Of course, he becomes very, very wanted uh, because of this. This is where he will be. He will gain his moniker, the hood, uh, for obvious reasons. Eventually, he's going to get backed into a corner and accidentally this this Nasanti demon version, this this flipped card, the other card that you get with the hood, you know, the Mm -hmm. other model kind of not kind of, just absolutely takes control. Parker transforms, you know, for the first time, and the demon just shreds these these fake aim agents that have him cornered. Now he's wanted as a killer, and you know, not such a good start with uh, some organized crime. But then he's gonna kind of not disappear for a while. His next, he's gonna show up in this next incarnation of Battle World, uh, where he will kind of talk about how he wants to, you know, get on the right side of the law for his daughter, how much he loves his daughter. Um, not so much about his wife, uh, whom he's usually cheating on. Man, call it a guy. Yeah, wants to be a good dad. Another villain in this expedition. It's, you know, it's kind of a complicated story to get all of it, but the guy who sets up this, you know, battle world wannabe who's pretending to breathe the beyonder is not uh, a gentleman by the name of gravity will sacrifice himself to get uh, everyone else off this battle world. And, and gravity would sacrifice himself by holding the battle world together, letting everyone escape. And this had a, a big effect on Parker and he would, uh, you know, he and his family would attend gravity's funeral back on earth, though he didn't really tell his family why they were visiting it. Uh, you know, not, he's still kind of keeping this side of himself secret. So next the hood is going to start this criminal empire. He's going to become a boss, a a crime boss. This is primarily what he's known as now. I do believe, uh, Jesse hoods gang. Yeah. The hoods gang for sure. He will, Gain the trust of some supervillains by taking out Tigra, whom, I mean, side note, Jesse, it's going to be cool when she's in the game, but Tigra is one of those characters I want to like because the character design is cool, but just don't like character her. Character design's so good. Yeah. The character design's yeah. awesome. 
Anyway, anyway, sorry. Sorry for the tangent. Uh, he's going to try to rob a bank, but he's not going to. He's going to get stopped by the new Avengers and Doctor Strange. Weird. These villains keep getting stopped. It's wild. But this is going to set up Parker's, you know, start of kind of trying to be the boss supervillain. And as his powers kind of increase through him wearing the cloak more and more, he'll stop having to hold his breath to become invisible. Um, he, he won't really wear the boots very much. They kind of just fell out of the character design after uh, the early appearances. Uh, he doesn't really do the levitating boots very often. Which is the version we have in MCP. The yes. Levitating boots. Just the cloak. Just the cloak. So this is, this is I mean, it's still early hood, but it's not quite, you know, more empowered hood. He will be involved in the uh, secret invasion. The scrolls try and infiltrate his gang. Mainly, they try to impersonate Madame Mask, whom he is having an affair with. But of course, it doesn't all work out. And we're going to go into Dark Reign, where he's going to be invited to be on the Cabal with Namor, Doctor Doom, Emma Frost, Loki, and Norman Osborn. The Dark Illuminati. Yeah, man. It's uh, a sub-Cabal faction. Pretty meteoric rise for old Parker boy. So, look, this is going to keep happening. He's going to keep being involved in these kind of things. The next major thing is going to happen during this dark, near the end of this dark loin, this dark rain event. Uh, the hood is going to find out the power behind these items. And it's, ladies and gentlemen, it's none other than. Dormammu. Listeners at home will probably know about this if they've heard our Dormammu episode. That's right. Big D himself. So these are artifacts that are channeling absolutely, man. Dormammu's He's, energy. Dormammu is setting up Parker Robbins to be his uh, human vessel to re-enter this realm so he can conquer it. Like we talked about in Dormammu episode, yeah. That's what always he's always trying to, trying to do, man. He's he's going to narrowly escape becoming Dormammu and right. kind of sever the connection. And so this is where he's going to start. We're gonna we're gonna leave these hood powers. He's going to wear a hood, but it's not a Dormammu empowered hood. Uh, he's going to receive the Norn stones from Loki. So his powers are going to take a major twist again. Uh, the Norn stones allowing him to kind of mimic the cloak and the hood, but I mean, he's also without got, the control. Oh yeah. He's got a completely different set of powers. You know, he's going to lose those. Of course he's going to uh, use his before he loses them though. He resurrects a lot of people, Jesse. Mm. Uh, and that's Dark his, hearts. that's yeah, that's his, that's the next kind of uh, organization for him is a lot of <laughs> resurrected supervillains. Uh, the Punisher is going to take him down for the most part, uh, but not before Parker tries to turn the Punisher with offers of returning his family to life. So you see this this character has developed now into this a little bit of behind the scenes, almost maybe not in terms of sheer power, but maybe kind of an Emperor Palpatine type where he's yeah. wanting to move chess pieces more than he's wanting to display his own power. Mm, very good. Hood will go on to challenge the kingpin 
as the head, of, you know, the major crime boss of essentially the Marvel 616 world, right? Earth. Yeah. They always say New York, but let's be honest, it's he's it's the most bigger. powerful. It is bigger. It, but eventually he will lose the Norm Stones, become Parker again, but it doesn't stop him from being a villain. No matter how many times he tries to cross back over, he just kind of keeps getting... Worse and worse, perhaps he's been overpowered by the evil energies of Dormammu. Just too much in those in that vein. Yeah, he's constantly searching for power ever since losing his hood and losing the Nornstones. Desperate for it. Uh, kind of, you know, I, I would almost say analogy to like maybe a heavy drug user, something like that. He's just desperate to have that power and that respect and be the boss. Very interesting character. I'm very interested to see if we get another version of him in MCP in the years to come. Could be very, very interesting. Uh, but that's that's where I kind of want to leave the hood for today. We can do a deeper dive if uh, there is demand for it. Uh, let us know. Yeah, Parker Robbins, interesting character, and I'm going to have a couple of decent uh, reading recommendations kind of once we talk about, after we talk about the MCU. Oh, absolutely, Chris. And I guess the last question I have and sort of the thing you brought up at the front, is he still a tragic character or is he kind of past that point now where he's almost more turning just into an evil villain and rather than just a tragic villain or is he still tragic? I think the tragic is still there for me because he's tasted that power. This man has mm-hmm. gone from being able to resurrect people. I mean, being a power conduit for Dormammu. Being an unkillable demon. Uh, yeah, transforming him into an unkillable demon. Having Palpatine laser powers. Yeah. I mean. Let electricity coming force out Force electricity. Yeah, man. I, I mean, this guy, when he lost the cloak and tried to sever that initially sever that connection toward to Dormammu, Dormammu manifested a flaming cloak around him. I mean, this guy has been to the mountaintop and now, you know, and then owning the Nornstones, having them taken away. He's been to the top and now he is a normal mortal again where we leave him off and just desperate for that power and respect again. And a lot of that, I think, is, like I said, Dormammu's, you know, dark energies, uh, mm-hmm. he has been majorly corrupted. So even when he makes that shift to full on, you know, supervillain murdering indiscriminately, even then, I believe that fall from little bit of maybe there's some well intention there, or maybe just, you know, got to dealt a bad set of cards, but it's that Dormammu factor that, that pushes everything over to uh, tragic for me. I mean, I, I love a good tragic character. Like he, it sounds like he really is a Sisyphus type character, that tragic character where it's like he, he's pushing the stone to the very top of the hill. And right when he gets to the top, the stone rolls back to the bottom and he starts it all right. over again. And he gets that power. He, he gets right man. up to the top and then rolls right back. It's literally like the entire character creation that they had for Maul, you know, in the Star yep. Wars series where it's like Maul is a Sisyphus mm. character. What a then great arc. Like, Hood's very similar to that, where it's like he does peak. He he gets to a high point, right, with his powers and his a couple times his powers yeah. and his power as in his his influence. Yes. But then it seems like he always has tragedy striking back down. Which you know he's still a villain at the end of the day, and he's a bad guy who does yes. bad stuff, but it does make him more relatable, or at least you can understand his arc better. Some depth to the just, character, yeah. Right, right. So that's what the interesting part of it. And moving on to the MCU. 
he's not yet in the MCU, but Disney did just have the D23 Expo. And at the D23 Expo, they confirmed Anthony Ramos has been cast as the hood and will make his first appearance in the Marvel Ironheart series. Refresher, if anyone at home hasn't seen Anthony Ramos, he's a newer, newer upcoming actor, but of course he got his his name out there by playing two roles in Hamilton, the infamous play. Ah. And uh, he played John Lawrence in the play in the first act of the play. In the second act of the play, he ends up, he plays Philip Hamilton, um, Hamilton's son. And he's excellent. On top of that, he was in recently, he was in Lynn Manuel Miranda's newest film in the Heights, another musical. And he was a lead in that as well. So very cool that he has been cast as the hood. I think he can bring a lot of depth because he's, he is a type of actor that he has a wide range and he has a spectrum. So I could see that sort of, you know, struggle for the good and then doing the bad and, and the fluctuations and we'll see what they do and because yeah. you never know what marvel's going to do and they the, may characterize them completely differently yeah right we we've seen it time and time again especially with villains especially with villains in the mcu taskmaster yeah taskmaster comes to mind <laughs> but villains they do this more but it seems like might be something they do less of in the the shows because we just have more screen time runtime yeah you know, and we won't take those easy routes we we get to do in the movies where, well, we got to cut this villain's story down to a small bit in one movie. Probably not the case with Hood, especially if he's making an appearance in a show and then maybe he'll make an appearance in other shows. Who knows, Chris? He might show up in Daredevil or something in the future. You know, time will tell. I would not be surprised one bit. But Chris, closing out our lore section like we always do, you got to give us some comic book recommendations to read about Hood. All right. I got a couple here. The first one is for everyone. This is Hawkeye Freefall, Volume 1, by Matthew Rosenberg and Otto Schmidt, a powerhouse of a creative team, to be honest with you. Anybody can read this one. I encourage it. I think it's good. Now, the next one will be a Marvel Max title, so this is going to be for adults only. You know, it's got an 18 up, uh, or 16 and up, or something. Whatever. Parental advisory, yada yada. But it is The Hood, Volume 1, by... The incomparable BKV, Brian K. Vaughn, and Kyle Hotz. Love it. So you get, you get Hood's origins in that, like we talked about on the show. Absolutely. And kind of a deeper depth into how he got said powers. And, you know, something we didn't touch on as much, Chris. I mean, it is crazy that this character transforms and becomes something else. It is a very yes. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of returning feature of these type of characters, you know, and it's something that's been in cinema and, and fiction for a long time. and um executed well with this character because it's not like i don't know the demon is a different like he loses control right essentially at times you know like i said yeah. his powers have fluctuated fluctuated a lot but initially yeah it was the demon comes out feral. when he's in a tight spot yeah and yeah. he kind of goes feral and i don't know that he's ever had full control over it but maybe he can kind of lightly yeah. turn the steering wheel later on yeah, but just very interesting. Well, Chris, that is it for our Hood lore, and it's time to move on to Hood and Marvel Crisis Protocol. His name is Hood, and his alter ego is Parker Robbins. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of 5, a move of medium on a small 35mm base, height of 2, and a threat cost of 3. His defenses are 2 physical, 2 energy, and 3 mystic. And when you go to his injured side, Chris, he still has 5 stamina. He's only 10 stamina on his human side. And keep in mind, I say his human side, he's still only 10 stamina total on his demon side, both sides too, respectively. But we know the sides of the card are different. Yes. 
This is going to be just like our Ant-Man and Wasp episodes. We have more card information because we're essentially doing two characters here. What are your thoughts initially out the gate? Don't love those defenses. You know, right? pretty low health pool. But I'm just seeing a average. lot of text here and I'm seeing a lot of or yeah, average health pool. I'm seeing a lot of text and I'm seeing a lot of mystic attacks. So <laughs> exciting things. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we'll just get right into those mystic attacks. His first mystic attack is a hex shot. This is his rapid fire mystic pistol attack. It's a range three, strength of four, zero power cost mystic attack. After the attack is resolved, hood gains one power. On a hit, that means you have to have a hit in your final dice results after all the modify steps. You will trigger rapid fire. After this attack is resolved, this character may make one additional hex shot attack, but the additional attack must target the original target and then of course the second shot does not have the rapid fire rule because you don't get to infinitely do rapid fire it's just two times chris rapid fire is good and hex rapid fire is real good rapid fire is busted right now absolutely we're in a rapid fire world we yeah. are we're in a rapid fire meta but hex shot is good mystic a lot of characters tend to be weak to mystic uh it's a harder attack type to find at the moment so pretty cool yeah, and obviously there's a lot of characters that like shrug off Mystic, but at the end sure. of the day, you're fine with this because we've touted Rapid Fire time and time again, and it's less about what it is or what damage type it is. It's more about raw dice you're going to get your opponent throughout the course of an entire game of six rounds, right? And Rapid Fire just gives you more chances for the dice to hit normally or to spike. And you're never going to complain about a character with Rapid Fire. It's so good. And also on top of that, Chris, him gaining two power essentially when he does this, one is guaranteed for sure because you're right. always going to get the first shot off. Two is mainly guaranteed. So that's amazing to me as a type player I am knowing that I'm going to have two power probably after I perform this and what I can do with, with two power on Hood after I have this. It's pretty cool. It's good to be able to plan and absolutes in mcp not something you often get to do but with hood you do let's move on to his spender this is a also a mystic attack it is dark lightning range three strength of six power cost of three on a wild you will trigger arc after this attack is resolved choose a number of other enemy characters within three of the target character equal to or less than the number of wilds in the attack roll. The chosen characters suffer one damage. Additionally, after this attack is resolved, the target character gains the shock special condition. And as a refresher, whoever is afflicted by shock rolls one less dice on attacks. Yeah. You know who doesn't like shock? Rapid fire characters. Hate yeah. It. Good point. It's not good. Or like, the Steves and Sams of the world throwing their shield. That's just gets a really flimsy shield after that. Yeah. Pretty good attack, Chris. Um, the most interesting part about it is this sort of wild kind of spike ability where you can get little pings of damage that do damage without the opponent rolling dice on these other targets. I've, I've, it's very cool. This is that Sith lightning you were talking about. You're yep. alluding to that. It's part of his power set. And it's, it's just cool. That it's on the character. This is very strong spender mainly because the shock is guaranteed. But what's funny is you're not going to do this much because everything else on hoods front side and backside, you're going to do more 
with power costs. So this is just one of those fringe situations. Oh, I'm flush on power. I'm in my human form. I've got to spend it because my opponent's going to attack me anyways. They're going to they're try to top me off on power. I might as well spend it. You know what I mean? This is one of those type of situations where you, that's when you use this, honestly, because his superpowers we're about to get to are much better on this side than this. And, and on his injured side, his demon abilities that he spends powers on are much better than this as well. So it's kind of the little nice optional thing you've got on Hood just when you're topped on power, which I really do like. But I did mention his superpowers. We're going to get right into him. He has three. The first is an active superpower called Black Arts. Cost three power. Choose another allied character within three of Hood. The chosen character may remove up to three damage. If it does, the chosen character then gains a bleed special condition. Character may be affected by the superpower only once per round. That also means he can do it on two characters in a round if he has the power or even three potentially. Wow. They got to be three different characters, which is very hard to do. But med pack with a drawback of bleed reusable. is worth it. <laughs> yeah, reusable med pack. And you know, it's funny. Now we have teams like Hydra, where it's like if you're a big brain play- player, as Chris would say, and you you know give them bleed when you heal them, exactly. and then they can give the bleed away on their turn with Strucker's leadership, things like that. There's interesting things going on. Also, Blade can drink the blood of your allies. We know this. We've talked about it before. So there's, it's not all bad, but it is cool that it's like it's three health with the debt to pay. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's extremely useful right now. I'm thinking about how I should just use it on Colossus because he does, he's immune to bleed. But absolutely, yeah. But and and healing's at an all time high right now in the game. Exactly, the power level of healing has never been higher than it is right now. So this. Big reason you see this guy a lot is right here. We'll get to some of the other reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he's also immune to bleed, Chris, is uh, Sentinels and Ultron. So I oh, think he well. slots right into your robot team as well. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. But you mentioned he's got other stuff, right, Chris? He does. So let's move on to one of them. The first will be Invisibility Cloak. This is a reactive superpower. It will cost you two. When Hood is targeted by an attack or would make a dodge roll, you may use this superpower. This character uses its mystic defense to defend or dodge. I will remind you that the mystic defense is three. Physical and energy are both two. During this defense or dodge roll, the character adds blanks in its rolls to its total successes. That is awesome. Blanks are crazy. Pay two for martial artist. At any range. At any range. Wild. Yeah. Love it. Blanks are crazy on defense because the defense eyes are just bad. We know this and the blanks make them less bad by a lot. And a cool part of this, Chris, is he gets to use his first dodge defense. So he gets to use mystic on dodge and then count blanks. So it's almost like he's rolling like kind of like a four on dodge, you know, which is makes him better at stuff being thrown at him. If he's got plenty of power to spend in cloaks. So very cool. Once again, you're never at an excess of power on Hood because you have plenty of things to spend it yeah. on. This is one of them. And his heals, obviously, the first premium. So you've got to know when to save the power for this and when just to like heal as much as possible or do a combination of both. But closing out his human side of his card, he has an innate superpower called Possessed by Nisanti. When this character is damaged by an enemy effect, after the effect is resolved. So remember, an effect is an attack, a throw, a card, a collision. The list goes on, right? This character may transform into Hood Possessed. So if you're damaged by an enemy effect, you may transform into Hood Possessed, into your demon form. Additionally, if Human Hood would be dazed 
before human hood is dazed, he transforms into hood possessed. Then he is dazed. So we'll get to the demon card in a second, but really this is when you're dazed, you have to transform into a demon. And when you're hit by an enemy effect, you may transform into the demon form if you want. But Chris, I will mention, you know, we didn't cover this in great detail in our Ant-Man and Wasp episodes, and I will now. When you transform, you have to transform the full distance as in when you transform in this game, you have to put down a, a range one in place exactly at range one of where you last were, mm. right? So transforming, that's actually very important. Um, other rules in the game, like interacting range, all this stuff, we know it's it's within you know said range. Transform is you transform at this range. So this could be difficult sometimes, could get you off at a point or something. Or a lot of times it could just be advantageous. It could get you out of range. I was going to say, I think the benefits outweigh the drawbacks yes. here. Because not only does this character have defensive tech, dodge tech, yeah, healing, but he also has movement tech with this transformation. Because A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, we've all seen Ant-Man and Wasp go crazy. And part of that is is that how much the, that they get extra movement off that range one place from transforming and granted he's not transforming at will like they do but he does get that little bit of extra movement that other characters do not it pairs really well with his defensive tech no absolutely and it also gets him into his demon side which is a beater dude it's a completely different character absolutely yeah so let's move on to his demon possessed side stats say the same same health same defenses, two, two, three. It gets new attacks and new abilities. His first attack is a physical attack called Razor Talons. It's a range two, strength of six. That's right, six, zero power cost strike. After this attack is resolved, Hood possessed gains power equal to the damage dealt, has a wild trigger of bleed. After the attack is resolved, the target enemy character gains the bleed special condition, but it also has a class, Chris, which is very important. It is. After the attack is resolved, if the target character was dazed or KO'd by the demon this round by this strike, you transform back into hood normal. So once again, hoops you have to jump through and you got to do it right. It's like, it's the type of situation where it's like, this could be very beneficial, could be bad because you might want to get two people with the demon, right? So you need to think about, okay, I've, I'm attacking Sabretooth, who's like very high health. I'm going to strike him first, and then I'm going to attack Toad, who's on two life left. Right? Yes. Before I transform back, rather than if you want to get the maximum damage out on the turn. I don't know what you want to do on your turn, but it's it's very interesting that he snaps out of it when someone's days are KO'd, which is very cool lore here, too. Yeah, I, I really do like that. And AMG does such a great job of doing this, uh, of weaving the lore into... Yes. Kits with tiny things like this, like snapping out after he's KO'd someone with his razor talons. That's awesome. And that is thematic to the character, but it also plays right into the kit where it creates more decisions and maybe a little drawback, which allows for a little bit more power in other areas, which we're going to talk about. But I just think their design is so elegant the way they do these. you know, counterbalances and how they match up to the lore, even in terms of who's effective against who in a lot of ways, it's, it's pretty incredible with how detailed it is. No, it absolutely is Chris. And I mean, it's probably one of the best examples of them. I think so. Flexing both those muscles, right. That sort of lore and design muscle at the same time. And I will mention while we're here, this is only physical attack on either side of the card. So if you want to get someone who's weak against physical, you got to get to this demon form and do this strike. 
The strike's also very good. Six yeah. dice with the bleed. It's like a notch below Laura Kinney, and we know how good Laura Kinney's strike is. So, well, he uh, something we'll get to. I want to say he's got a charge as the demon form. That's right. So that's that is Laura's the balancing act biggest drawback, right? But before we get to charge, let's talk about his second attack in demon form, and it is empowered dark lightning. This is that real good Emperor Palpy right here yeah that's right unlimited power yeah range three strength of eight power cost of four on a wild you will trigger empowered arc after this attack is resolved choose a number of enemy characters within range three of the target character equal to or less than the number of wilds in the attack roll the chosen characters now suffer two damage automatically I love that. I love auto damage. It's, it's huge. Un, it's underutilized at the moment. Uh, it's absolutely incredibly good, especially for getting rid of pesky three threat characters. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Anyway. No, it's cool, Chris. It, it literally is the empowered version of the first attack. So the first attack is range three, strength of six, power cost of three. This is a range three, strength of eight, power cost of four. So you're paying more. But then it also, as Chris just said, has empowered arcs that do two damage each. You're still getting that guaranteed shock, which we love. Yeah. But after the sack is resolved, you have to turn back into hood normal. So once again, he has, yeah, like he has a choice. So keep in mind this demon side, there's a lot of ways you get back normal and there's not a lot of ways you stay demon. So keep that right. in mind if you want to stay demon. So I find it very cool. And we got to move on to the superpowers because you did mention one, Chris, which is absolutely huge at giving him action economy as a character he gets charge on the side it's an active superpower cost two power action so he has taken action to perform this hood possessed immediately makes a move action followed by an attack action you can only use the superpower once per turn so be careful if you daze him on his human side with a lot of power yeah he's man. in prime charging range for the next round when he flips his card you know and he's ready to go and man I mean, the dream with Hood on his demon side, honestly, Chris, is like a charge into a Razor Talon on someone fairly weak, but not not going to daze. And then you empower Dark Lightning, the same target or a different target next to them is definitely going to go down, ping all the other ones, probably daze two models that turn and then go back human. And you just you feel OK with that because you're like, well, less 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 is coming back at me. And um, I still got my two actions out of my demon side that I wanted. And I find that very cool. He's got a lot of options and he is, he's really pesky on the tabletop. And that's, that's the reason. Yeah. You just described that kind of perfect turn is really not that hard to achieve. And that's the reason he's so good. Yeah. Like there's, there's like easier to play wide. Yeah. The hoops are very big (laughs) to get through. Uh, Very easy to do. But he does have a lot of hoops. There's a lot he of does. hoops. He yeah. does. There's a lot of... He's just kind of an embarrassment of options, right? Just you're spoiled yeah. with options. So it's which way big. do you want to go with him? So, But let's talk about one of the big reasons you want to stay in demon form. Mm-hmm. And you've used this against me to great effect, Jesse. Mm-hmm. That is this mm-hmm. innate superpower, demonic resilience. When Hood would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by two to a minimum of one. So this is just like Colossus, Rogue, Luke Cage, Lizard, Lizard, anyone that has this, this damage reduction. But there are no other characters in the game that reduce by two, Jesse. Right. It really prevents you against spikes. 
he, yeah, you right? don't spike against him. Uh, you will no. get one through, but you're either getting one yeah. or four, essentially. Yeah, yeah. You either have like a huge spike or you just right. are not really hurting him. And that's kind of the case with a lot of those invulnerability guys. And of course, this is a better version of it. So just it all makes sense. Also, it means healing on his demon side is an all-time premium too, because smarter people than Chris and I have done the math online. And it's like characters with invulnerability, when you heal them, healing is at a higher premium because their Mm -hmm. health is this number that's not printed on their card, right? Their health is a lot higher than the number on their card, just mathematically, because Colossus is a great example. Chris mentioned he has a crazy high health pool with invulnerability and with counting blanks, depending on if you pay for it on his front side or you have it on his backside. And all those things make the math crazier and crazier on defense. So obviously, when you heal characters like that, you're just at a premium, right? The opponent has to invest a lot more resources to get three damage on Hood's demon side than they do on, say, Laura Kinney, who has five health, three cost, can also shred you. You know, he's just he's just tougher. He's just tougher. Yeah. Which is very cool. And I like the different sides of a similar coin. And I got do got to about one way you can definitely deal with Hood, which I find very thematic and cool. He has one more innate superpower on his demon side, mystic vulnerability. Yeah, his a little bit of weakness here. Yeah, while defending against a mystic attack, Hood possessed does not add additional dice to his defense rolls as a result of crits. So he does not blow up crits when he's rolling against mystic attacks. So he's just rolling the three. That's it. And if this character is damaged by a mystic attack after the attack is resolved, he transforms into Hood normal. And if this character would be dazed by a mystic attack before it is being dazed, it transforms into Hood normal. Then it is dazed. So if you want to get him back human, don't have to deal with this demon. Get a mystic person over there to control him. And he, and here's the balance, Chris. If you're fighting Hood and you win turn zero and you have someone who can mystically handle him and keep kind of controlling him and never letting him go into demon form, yes, he's still in a an obnoxious and powerful support piece with his Dark Arts med pack and it's great hex shot, but you're not allowing him to be a demon because you have basically a wizard over there controlling him the whole time. And I find this very cool. I find the theme right on point. Yeah. I it's, it's very rewarding for both players, honestly. And it's, you know, speaking from a design perspective, it's 100% how you can get such a powerful hood possessed side while being a three threat still. Um, because yes. there is, there is a, it's, I, I don't want to call it a hard counter because Hood Human is not bad at all. I think we'd see him in the game all the time with, yeah, if he I didn't really have transformation. Right. Yeah. But it does take away a lot of the flexibility the character brings and a lot of that kind of, right. I can do whatever you need me to do, boss, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that Hood brings to the MCP table. So, you know, just this little bit of counterplay to reduce the options uh, of your opponent is, is pretty good, you know? Uh, not easy to find, uh, you know, a nice three threat that has that can counter this with with a mystic attack. <laughs> but you know, that's beside. They're the out point. there. They're yeah, out they're there, out. but it's hard to slot them into your ten unless they're already affiliated. And what's funny is like his human side is so good with the heal that a lot of hood players will play defensively and just oh, heal I'm a lot sure. and hex shot a lot. Yeah. And then they're forcing their opponent to ask the question, do you want to attack me and turn me in demon side? Do you want to daze right. me, turn me in demon side? Right. So then that's a whole sort of inverse control going on, which I really like. There's a lot going on with this character, Chris. There's a lot, but 
I find it very cool that he loses his invisibility cloak on the demon side, but then he gets the reduction on his human side. You have more control with the invisibility cloak, right? On your defenses. It's just, it's cool. It's like, there's a lot going on and, um, got to get him on the table because he's genuinely good in all teams. And we'll talk about that yeah, more man. in a minute, but the versatility of him that is bound by these rules is very fun and very cool. You know, this is one of the characters that I have grown a much bigger appreciation for both mm-hmm. lore wise and in the game. I've always known he's good, but I, I've just, he's owned me so many times that I just, I visceral reaction. I hate him, you know, but this is, this has really helped clear some things mm. up, you know, great, great chat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this character is really, really complex. And I think that makes him fun for yes. sickos sickos like us that right. listen to mcp podcasts and make mcp podcasts and you know we just <laughs> we're doing the it's mcp true. thing right we think about it yeah, yeah he's a great character for sickos like us he's just a lot of fun chris absolutely and it is helpful that he has decreased significantly in the meta because we just have we're just inundated with great three threats right now you know hey and um it's wonderful <laughs> It's great. So it's not like he's an auto meta A. Yeah, he's not S tier, you know, yeah. like that sort of thing. He is just solid and he fills gaps in your roster. If you're lacking mystic damage, he brings mystic damage at a cheap price point on his human side. If you're lacking healing, he brings that. And if you need an occasional beater to kind of like push on an enemy point and kind of close out a game, he also brings that as well. So it's. If you need those things, he can fill those niche spots. But if, if you don't need those things, you, you might not take him. You might take another three threat. But moving on, Chris, he has one tactic card. It's called Hood's Gang. It's unaffiliated. It's an active tactics card. Before you even start reading it, I love it. I love that this is unaffiliated because you can. Yes. This card can come with you wherever you splash him. And I I think the that's lore is kind of cool. Really neat. And yeah, that fits the lore perfectly to touch on that, that kind of point we made earlier. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, Jesse. Oh, you're fine. He's making a mini gang within the team, right? Uh, yep. Very cool. He's kind of getting his little power moment. It is an unaffiliated active card. Hood normal may play this card during his activation. So keep in mind, Demon Hood cannot play this. So another hoop you got to jump through if you want to play this card. This round, when an allied character is attacking an enemy character, contesting or holding an objective, the allied character may reroll one of their attack dice. He gives you... Shadowland Daredevil leadership for one round. So you're telling me for one round, the hood, a three threat character can give <laughs> you an you entire a team, a better cable, a five threat character affiliation. That's nuts. It also stacks with cable, Chris, which is great. Yes. And I mean, strategic genius as well, but you a know, lot of stacking. There's a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good card. It's so funny that like, if you're playing hood, this is a card that often is in your 10 as it should be. It should be, but often doesn't make your five because we just know cards that are also makes sense. Right. So I love it. I think it's so good, especially on these sort of wide extracts, like a map, like you're playing, let's say you're playing cubes or spider infected or hammers or something. Perfect time to bring this card because you know, there's gonna be multiple opponents holding or contesting things that round. Cause keep in mind, they gotta be holding or standing by something for the Steven work. If they're not just nothing happens. So very cool card costs nothing. How can we complain about it? Right? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I just can't. I mean, we love cards that cost nothing that are character name cards that are good. 
Yes. Like seriously, it's just more options. It's more tools in the toolbox. And the more reps you get, the more you will understand when it's a good idea to bring it. And when it's not, you know, it's just fun things to play around with and really dial your play style in, you know? Yeah. You can be creative. You can, you absolutely can. There's room for that in this game, even in the competitive meta. Oh, absolutely. Chris. And you know how much we love unaffiliated tactics cards. Like it's like, of course, Logan, or X-23 can use exceptional healing outside of the X-Men or something, right? I'm so oh, glad yeah. that's an unaffiliated card, right? I love that so card. I love these type of things in the game so much, and I, I think it's strong contention for when you play Hood. But we got to move on to Hood's affiliations before we close out our strategy. He is in two teams, Chris. What do you know? The Criminal Syndicate, which we are in our series right now, and the Cabal, because he huh. has been parts of these teams we've talked about multiple times. I find it very cool that... He's good in all of these teams. And I say all because now we have multiple cabals. We have three cabals. We have two criminal syndicates. So that's five teams, essentially, right? Five leaderships. Five leaderships and he's that he's affiliated with, and he's good with every one of them. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Let's go through the cabals real quick. Red Skull Cabal. When he deals damage, he gets more power. In. Yeah, in. Sin Cabal. They want to go three threat and two threat heavy, swarm out the board, control areas, and also deal lots of little bits of damage. In. He's in. Oh, he also brings healing to Sin's Cabal, which is and, and a big not deal. to mention he he has the capability of hitting way above his weight. Like he can punch like a lot above of his threat. Team. Yeah, exactly. So he he fits that plus brings the healing, plus I mean he just fits every parameter. So in. Okay. Malekith's Cabal. When they daze models, someone else on the team gets to heal and move short. Is Hood going to daze models or help you do that? I do believe so. Yeah. <laughs> also, every time you play Malekith Cabal, you're going to be playing Malekith. And what is Malekith like? Just human Hood. Sitting next mm-hmm. to him, healing him all game. Yep. That's obnoxious. In. <laughs> Hood's always obnoxious. So let's move on to our criminal syndicate. Starting with Kingpin. This is probably his weakest team. But not really know. at all. I was going to say he helps really keep them on the healthy side, right? He keeps them healthy. It's less about him being on the points and counting as two and him more being an, an amazing support piece for them, yeah. keeping the big boys alive. You, you wanting to keep them on their healthy, the healthy side of their card uh, and just yep. kind of running around playing triage and, you know, getting some damage in where he needs to. And he gives them one round of Hood's game, Chris. When they don't really hit hard, right? Huh. So that helps. That's pretty good. <laughs> It's pretty good. And closing out, we have a very cool place for him. Shadowland, Daredevil, Criminal Syndicate. This is where <laughs> I played him. Chris is referencing here. Yeah. Yeah. Getting all of a sudden, he is keeping up with Laura on his demon side because he now yes. has a reroll. He doesn't have Pierce, but he does have a reroll. He doesn't have so, Frenzy either. So the yeah, one he doesn't have Frenzy, back. but mathematically, they are getting closer to the same that, yeah. dice math. That charge yeah. is so powerful. Charge is so good. But also, Chris, he has a rapid fire attack and Matt Murdock, the beast, Love Shadow and Daredevil is so good with these rapid fires because not only is it making four dice just better because four dice aren't that good, but it's helping you guarantee you get the next rapid fire. I cannot tell you how many rapid fires I get with Bucky and Shadowlands and how many rapid fires I do not get with Bucky and Shield. It's like night and day because that one reroll, right? Because you still need that hit to get the rapid fire. You don't get it off unless you get that hit. So it helps Hood's rapid fires go off, which means that he's getting more damage out, but he's also getting more heals out because he's getting more 
gain one powers, gain one power, gain one power from these rapid fires, right? So he can get more heals out, right? And um, what's not to love about that? You know, he's helping his team out. Look, he's really good. He just is. He's <laughs> he's one of those characters that, I mean, I just without hesitation, I recommend getting his box. He's just it's useful. You can put him in almost every team. Oh, and what do you know? He comes with Doctor Voodoo as well. So also an S tier, you know, also an S tier character, an actual S tier character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that Hood's S tier, uh, but but yeah, yeah, we're not a tier podcast. Or we're not. That. I'm sorry, I consumed we're, too much tier content. That's both what happened. Very good models, especially in reference to what Chris is talking about. Both very good models that can be splashed kind of blindly if you want without like having yeah. a huge knowledge of the game, you know, and I, that is helpful when we first start out and stuff, but I'm going to talk about a couple places that I think could is fun. Oh, okay. Other affiliations. Chris's like favorite fun. segment of the show. When we close out here, we're going to start with a one that sounds silly up front, Chris, but it's actually not. It's actually very strong and very interesting. Asgard. Okay. He heals the Asgardians, which we just talked about reduction and characters with high health pools and, we, all, we know how good the Asgard members are at holding points and stuff. Yeah. But more importantly, every time it's your turn, you can spend a power to heal with the Asgard leadership or to remove a condition. So really, Hood's bleed med pack is at a premium in this team, right? Ooh, because they're kind of negating so the effect. Yeah. Keeping that way of thinking going, and I actually think this is probably one of his best spots, which I think is very cool. Winter Guard, same reason. Oh, yeah, that makes so much they sense. They automatically shake a condition at the top of their turn. So, like, say Red Guardian's hurt, and he's a really good character if he's not hurt because he's weirdly defensive, but he's not as defensive as the Luke Cages of the world and stuff, right? But yeah. if he can hang on by a thread, he is very defensive because he's budget Steve. You can heal Red Guardian, give him bleed before he goes, and then he goes he immediately shakes the bleed at the top of his turn with Winter Guard leadership. I mean, you just got. You talk about premium heals when heals are at all time premium in the game. That's a really cool play. So I think Winter Guard is he's. I think he gets slot in Winter Guard immediately. Immediately. Excellent thought. Wonderful, wonderful insight here at the uh, you know tail end of the pa- of the show here. Maybe we'll make a Winter Guard list around Hood sometime oh, soon. I'm, after I'm dark so into that actually. Okay, let's do it. But keeping this sort of idea going, I, I already alluded to it before, and I think it's an obvious place that everyone's going to be playing him immediately. But Sentinels, I think if you're not considering playing Hood and Sentinels, you should because they're all immune to bleed. <laughs> and same with Ultron, if you want to play Ultron with Sentinels. And it's just this cool theme of like robots and a demon. Robots. And this guy, he's got his little mini criminal syndicate <laughs> empire and he's having all these robots work for him and he's just healing them up. How does he heal the Sentinels with dark arts? No one we knows. We don't know, but they're dark <laughs> arts. That's the point. <laughs> they're dark arts. It's it's fun. And keeping that sort of idea and thinking going, and this is something that's not crazy because I already talked about it recently, but I'll bring it up again. Hood is very, very good in the dark dimension. He has his charge online round one. Now I know he has to be in demon form to charge, but you know, he also has online pretty much immediately. Chris is his heel because as long as he can just get a rapid fire off, what do you know? He had that 
power from the power phase, the dark dimension power, and then he got a rapid fire power off. So he's got that three power. He can start healing people. I also think Dormammu makes his demon side very powerful because the demon side, he just always has power for the charge. He always has power for the dark lightning when he wants it. It just makes a lot of sense. And the theme is there. We talked about theme being really important 100%, man. Yeah. I think that's completely intentional by AMG. I think they were thinking of Dormammu and Hood together. 100% this was planned. Yeah. A couple other places that he's interesting and fun. I played him a lot in Convocation in the past, just strictly as a mystic gunline support piece, because I get rerolls from the Convocation leadership, which helped me get those rapid fires, helped me get more heals off. He was good. He really is good. And especially on the side of the leadership of the Convocation, when you take damage and you can place range one, you can take damage, turn to demon form, place, place again. There's a lot of things that can happen, that's, right? Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> That's a lot of incidentals that uh, work really well with his kit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll close out with a f- just a few more because we can't talk about the entire affiliation list, even though we could with this character. I think he's strong in Hydra. They've got a lot of cool healing, healing factor. They've got healing through their leadership. He's bringing more of that, but also he's bringing conditions that he can pass off. He's giving your people bleed. You get rid of the bleeds. He's also the three threat character, which they like. Try him. Now, we talked about all these cool places. And a lot of it's around his healing, Chris, which I think is the main reason you're bringing him, honestly, is just for that heal. At the moment, Especially these days. Especially now, right? In these dark times, yeah. In these dark times of one healing card per player, if you have the space for it in your team, if it makes sense, which a lot of teams it doesn't. Keep in mind, Chris, a lot of these Cabal teams and stuff, they don't have room for a patch-up. They're using Follow Me or something. So Hood is kind of helping fill that gap as well. The last place I'll mention, we talked about how fun it's to place and things like that. And I'm going to talk about the Midnight Suns and how he's giving more bleeds for Blade to drink. And we're not building around bleed in Midnight Sun. Bleed is incidental. It's an incidental icing on the cake. But I do think could just is good in Midnight Suns because as Chris talked about, getting more mobility on mm-hmm. top of incidental mobility is actually Midnight Sun's greatest strength. Their greatest strength is not damage because there's better, better teams in the game that do damage. The Midnight Sun's greatest strength is they have little bits of mobility throughout the whole game that no other team has right through basically little places you know right and hood getting that really helps him out let's say he's just out of rapid fire range he can place double rapid fire oh look now he has the power to do his dark arts heal that he wouldn't have had if he had to move or something so there's instances where it makes a lot of sense and then on top of that incidentally blade is healing more right because more of your team is bleeding and blade is healing more so there's a lot of cool things going on we we know he's good in all teams in the game. Like, of course, he's great in Guardians with more rerolls, right? And another three threat for their roster. Of course, he's good in Wakanda with rerolls. Like, but I want to talk about these fun places that I really think you should try. And um, yeah, Chris, I think he's really good in X Force. Really good in X Force. He and he I brings some things they're lacking, uh, especially the heal. So, and they have so many really tanky models. So it's like it's funny that you're adding like a heal on top of that. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cool things going on with this character. You can play him anywhere and have a fun time. And I think that's kind of the summation of this whole strategy section is he helps fill gaps in your roster, but also just try him. Just try him. Yeah. Just try him out. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show on social media. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com. 
with any inquiries, ideas, or collaborations and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice to help the show grow. Keep in mind the painting gallery with no name season three. That's the fall season. It's fully underway. It's a model with flight. If you haven't listened to the rules or guidelines for that, check out the episode we did recently on the painting gallery with no name. And you can email your entries for the painting gallery with no name to furypainting at gmail.com. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music and help spread the word about our show. Rate, review, subscribe. We That's see right. you guys. We appreciate it. It means the world to us, and it's why we still do this. So thank you. And as much as I hate to, I have to ask you to keep it up. No, it really helps us out, guys, and helps the show grow and helps MCP grow. And MCP is just growing more and more every day. It's pretty amazing. So thank you for being a part of that. Of course, you can find Chris and I online. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Ah, thunder season is upon us. There it is. Fully underway. Well, this has been really fun, Chris. I'm looking forward to continuing and finishing out this section of our criminal syndicate and the things that you and I have planned after this is very exciting. So I don't know. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the future. And uh, we got a, it's my favorite season of the year has just begun as well. There's oh, just yeah, a lot baby. of things going on. I'm just really looking forward to how this year ends for the game and the podcast. And then what we got planned for next year. It's very exciting. It's going to be awesome. I uh, can't wait for our uh, year end wrap up episode and uh, looking forward to the future. Fall's always a great time to, to kind of think about that. And uh, yeah, it's look, I think we're in for some really cool stuff coming up very shortly. Couldn't agree more. Well, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 